Oh my god, how is this not finished yet? Two jerks, one vote, Nurine 14, round six. Title U2 with no U2 references. The Contrafacts Challenge. What does that even mean? You never thought you'd have to write a song with some traffic sounds and a cameo from your mom, but it's two in a week and it better be strong or else you're gonna get eliminated. You never thought you'd have to write a song in 11-8 with the stupid random title you hate, but it's two in a week and it better be great or else you're gonna get eviscerated. Welcome to want to talk about anything that happened with the last round yeah yeah let's talk about the previous round that was the where the streets have no name round and marison berkeley social scene and grumpy mike were eliminated and i'm surprised i thought that four bands would be eliminated but then i took a look at the you know previous sort of history and sure enough five bands are in the second of the last round all the time yeah. When I said, oh my God, we lost Rain Watt, I was pretty sure that four bands were getting eliminated. So she missed elimination just by the thinnest of margins. Yeah. She tied with Marison and then the tiebreaker had her winning. Since it's an odd number of judges, it's the number of judges that put the winner ahead. Uh, so it's like three out of two put Rain ahead of Marison. So Rain made it through to this round. Photo finish. Yeah. And uh, that last round, Vowel Sounds won their third round of Narine 14, again, with zero immunities and (laughs) no immunity for this round either. But uh, spoiler alert, you know, I don't think they're going to need immunity for this round anyway. We'll we'll get to it, but I, I think, yeah, we'll see. But as for this round, the U2 round, the Contrafact Challenge... I had worried that this was going to be way too difficult for people, but I think these folks really pulled it out really well. And uh, had I known that this was kind of what we would end up with, I wouldn't have been quite as worried. I was really happy with the entries, which means it's going to be really hard to put people in the bottom three, but we got to do it. What were your expectations for what people would do? I wasn't sure. I was thinking maybe the backing music would be instantly recognizable, and sometimes it is. And then I thought that it would be more like riffing on the original than it would be just making up a completely, completely new and unrecognizable tune. But everybody made up completely new, unrecognizable melodies, which was probably more difficult and, you know, more interesting, I think. So I was really happy with what people came up with. But I think that I was just overthinking it when it first popped up as a challenge. What were you thinking? I was expecting to have some sort of cognitive dissonance. Like I was expecting to hear a very familiar chord progression in music and then a totally different melody. And I was kind of wondering what that would feel like and how I'd feel about that. And some bands definitely pulled it off because... The chord progressions they used were familiar, and they used very similar instrumentations to play those chords, and that worked. I was like, whoa, this is Wonderwall, but it's not Wonderwall. 
So <laughs> that definitely worked for me. But sometimes I did not know and I could not tell what the core progressions were and I would not have figured out. This is especially true of the shadows, not so mm. much as the main entries. So I had to work a little bit harder sometimes to play the original song, get the chord progression, and then go, oh, okay, I can kind of sense that now. Yeah. I think it hinged on the word familiar, which was in the challenge. And I know Rain Watt had asked familiar to who? And I think the yeah. answer is familiar to everyone. Yeah. And I think the kind of worries that we had before about people sticking to a very kind of overused chord progression were completely unfounded. Or maybe not completely unfounded, but at least they didn't come to pass. So nobody nobody went that route. Everybody went with songs that were very familiar to them that they wanted to, to do new melodies for. And it worked yeah. out good. All right. You want to uh, launch into it? Uh, sure. Did, did we have anything else we wanted to cover first? Or are we good? I don't think so. First up, then, we have Agony Sauce. know if there's a more iconic chord progression than Wonderwall. Well, there probably is, but, you know, just the way that the guitars come in on one side of your ear first and then the other ear, it sounds so like Wonderwall. I knew exactly what was happening from the very first handful of chords. So I thought it was very effective to lead off with that. Huh. Okay. <laughs> uh, did he put that in the lyrics sheet? Yeah. Yeah. Why did oh, you I didn't get, get that, that it was Wonderwall? You know, I was listening, and I know that there were a whole bunch of things going on, but uh, let me pull up the lyric sheet really quick here. Yeah, because when yeah, I first heard it, it, yeah, I was like, today is going to be the day that there's something, something back to you. It's weird. I must have heard that song more than you in the 90s or whenever it was popular. I should have seen that. I, I don't know why I didn't see it. Maybe I just didn't even bother because the others were so very, very recognizable immediately to me. But I was trying to pick it out, and for a while there I thought it might be uh, We Are the Champions by Queen, because it has the long period where it's just kind of going between the two chords, and then it modulates up to another chord, and then it goes into that immediately dun 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 dun, dun, dun with the chords progression going down like it does for this. So I was wrong, though, so I don't even know why I'm explaining this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I don't know if rock and roll has standards, per se. I guess, like, I would consider Smoke on the Water a rock and roll standard, like you'd have in jazz. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Johnny Be Good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. There's plenty of stuff that's instantly recognizable and that you could go with. 
but yeah, apparently also Wonderwall for half of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it's hinging on that whole familiar thing. I guess it's good to use multiple chord progressions in your song like Agony Sauce did. If you know, if you weren't going to get hits from the judges on all of them, one of them is going to hit somebody. Yeah, I thought this was a great song, and there are only great songs in this round, in my opinion. But I think the pile of cumulative challenges combined with the overambitious humor and maybe kind of meta humor in their attempt to overachieve on this challenge, you know, it turned this song into a bit of a novelty mashup without any flow. And I feel bad for saying that, but since we have to you know, rank these and some of them are going to go in the bottom three, I'm going to explain why this one's going in the bottom three for me. You know, super, again, super overambitious, really impressive, but I don't think it had all that much flow and it turned into a bit of a novelty song. Uh, I did enjoy the song a whole lot. Uh, I laughed out loud when Godzilla popped up. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just liked it a lot. I like the message received bit. That reference was really cool. And I'm very impressed by the intricacy and the cleverness, but the listenability, I think, suffers a little. And also, you know, as a side note, I don't know why Glenny doesn't like this stuff. You know, it's different and it's intricate and it's busy and it's jam-packed with references. It seems like it would be right up his alley, but I think on the boards he wasn't really happy with the cumulative challenges that he's doing. I, I mean, I also felt that this was super well done and it was a lot of work to fit all of the cumulative challenges in. But for me, it worked. And that impressiveness also just carried through into my enjoyment of the song. This was my favorite song by far of the round. And, wow. you know, for me, all of those sort of iconic chord progressions that they used, they all worked for me. And I thought it was extremely cool the way that they used the chiptunes bloop to signal a transition from one of those borrowed chord progressions to their own chorus or bridge. So there's a bloopy sound right before all of those transitions. And I think there, I don't know if there's a key change or a modulation that happens when they go into the, the chorus or the bridge, but whatever it is, it sounds really cool. And I was really just impressed by it technically. And I also was impressed by it musically. It was like the song I wanted to listen to the most. And I was really impressed with the kind of cool backing vocals that were done, especially on the solo. Yeah. And there were just a lot of details that I got, like the who, who, who sample from <laughs> who let the dogs out. It was just really cool. And of course, the M-E-S-S-A-G-E received bit that happens, like I think it's after the solo, is, is just really a nice callback. And all the things that they were trying to do worked for me. And I caught all of them and I appreciated all of them. And... I don't know. To me, this is the most impressive and listenable song of the bunch. Huh. I guess what threw me a bit was the changes in tempo also. I mean, it, when they go into these different sections, they do kind of jarringly move from one song to a different song. And that's what I thought really kind of interrupted the flow. So, again, a very, very impressive song to me, but I thought that it didn't flow well. Uh, you know, the again, I already said it. The listenability suffered from the jarring changes. Impressive, fun, clever, neat, and not going to be in my top two. Hmm. All right, let's move on to Max Bombast. We ran the show, and now we're stepping aside. Gotta change up the lineup if we're gonna survive.
part that Max used was from American Woman, the which is, um, you know, if I'm going to be pedantic, and I'm going to be pedantic, that's more of a riff than a chord progression. I mean, though it does have chords, it's, you know, those are power chords, I'm pretty sure, that make that riff up. But I feel like it was used more in a melodic sense, especially since it was played on a bass, rather than a harmonic or, a you know, from a chord progression sense. And that just may be me being pedantic, but I, I thought about it a lot, and I thought, maybe that's not the best use of the challenge. But it still worked. I mean, even though he's only playing the bass notes of the riff from that song, it, I mean, you still know what it is. And it's still used in a different context. So whether it's harmonic or melodic or the fact that it's, you know, played on the bass where it's not a chordal instrument, does it really matter? I don't think so. But it was something that did bug me a little bit. Also, the song is pretty political. But I did like some of the cleverness in the political message, like that and yet you persisted line was clearly, I think, about Elizabeth Warren. And just this whole notion of, you know, take the keys, uh, your turn to fix things, I'm sorry we left the world in a fucked up state. I mean, it was a kind of a cool message, but I feel like this message from Max we've heard before in this contest, and it's just more of the same. And I think there's always a risk when you make an overtly political song. One of the awesome things about the lyrics, though, is that, you know, it's wonderful how the contrafact is such a great direct nod to the subject of the song without stating it outright. Not only that, there's no feminine nouns or no like feminine pronouns in this entire song. So he's not saying anywhere throughout the entire song anything about women or about female politicians. It's just this nonverbal clue that we get from the riff. And I think that's pretty brilliant. I thought the song had great attitude and great lyrics, great lyrics. The vocal melody is fine, but I think the general direction of the vocal melody is kind of less interesting than any of the other competitors this round. And after listening to all these songs on repeat over the past couple of days, this one started to wear on me a little. And it's essentially a riff song based almost entirely around one chord. And I actually went and tried it out. You know, you can play a G minor chord throughout this entire song, except for one measure of D sharp, followed by a measure of D in each of the choruses. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing at all wrong with it. I just bring it up to illustrate that my perception of it is probably not just my imagination, that there is something kind of inherently sort of similar throughout the verses and throughout most of the choruses, too. Anyway, uh, awesome performance, wonderful take on the challenge, great lyrics, yet probably still not in my top two, because I wasn't blown away by the vocal melody or the composition, as much as I was very impressed by the lyrics and the way that he did the contrafact. Yeah, it, it missed out on my top two as well. I certainly appreciated the lyrics, and I enjoyed reading them and kind of getting what he was saying. And it didn't occur to me that this may be about American women, although it's never explicitly stated, which is kind of cool. I mean, I certainly caught the end, yet you persisted line, which is, do you remember what context that was used with Elizabeth Warren? What was she persisting about? Or was it Elizabeth Warren or was, am I completely off base on that? No, I think you're right. I think it was Elizabeth Warren. Uh, she 
like didn't want to yield her time or she no it was like she was talking about something and the republican senators kind of wanted her to stop talking about it and yet she kept on talking about it like they were cutting her off yeah yeah i i can't remember the very very specific thing uh, but. nevertheless she persisted that is the line I and mean, it's an expression that has been since adopted by the feminist movement so yeah the tie-in there is obvious if uh, i would have just looked a little harder <laughs> congrats for catching it so yeah this song unfortunately does not make my top two either and a lot of it had to do with just the political nature of it i'm just i'm really tired of political songs and the message i found a little difficult even though it's a positive good message i'm just not in the place to really hear that and also i i wasn't super satisfied with how the song uh really tackled the challenge so all right next we've got rachel lane obviously a contrafact of uh, Blackbird. Really obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's lovely. You know, it might not be quite as ambitious as some of the other entries this round, but I can't fault it for that. It's good that this song is not overworked. You know, I'm not sure about that ticky percussion sound, but that also I don't think was terrible. I don't think it was really damning. It's in my notes too. I certainly noticed it, and I'm not sure if it was there intentionally, but I would have gotten rid of it if I could have. Yeah, I thought it was maybe not ideal. Maybe it was fine, but should have been turned down a little bit. I'm not sure, but it was it was a choice, and you know people got to make their own choices that way. The melody is lovely, and the vocal performance, you know, both the lead vocal and the backing vocals is just heavenly. And really, you know, that's all you need to get high marks from me. Make a heavenly, transcendent love song with beautiful performances. Is that too much to ask? It is a lot to ask, but she seems <laughs> to do it effortlessly. Yeah, yeah, just amazing. Yeah, uh, I love this a lot, too. I thought her new melody for Blackbird works really well, and I had wondered as I do because I just can't get my brain out of the challenge. But I'd wondered if she had potentially used too much of Blackbird and there wasn't enough original material there. But I think the point is to, you know, repurpose a chord progression. And I don't think I can fault her for doing it too much. So ultimately, this song, I think, is in my top two. I think part of what made this so effective is that she just didn't do a lot wrong. Like the new melody is great. Her singing is great. The original Blackbird chord progression is performed very well. Just everything works in this song. And as much as I wanted to find reasons to ding it, I couldn't. And yeah. I liked it every time it came on. Like, yeah. 
What about you? Did, did this make it in your top two? Yeah. Yeah. This is number two for me. Yeah. So for me yeah. as well. Are we ready to talk about Rain Watt? Sure. I like you and I like her and you like me. And I want you both to be my girlfriends. I like her and I like you and she likes me. And I want you both to be my girlfriends. And I will hold both of your hands while you tell me how you're I'll play guitar and you can play the drums. I like Did you know the Death Cab for Cutie song that it references? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, you know it, right? Or did you? I don't know it. I had to go listen to it. And I felt that, you know, it is the same chord progression. I did get that, but I had to get myself familiar with the song and it's a good Death Cab song. I should probably listen to more of their music. Yeah, I think this is one of their their more popular ones. So yeah, I think there was some concern early on that it had to be familiar to people. And uh, I think if that's something that people were worried about, I just got to assure everybody that, no, this is a, you know, honestly, I think this might be the most familiar one to me. Off the top of my head, I know this and Crooked Teeth. And uh, I'm not sure which one I, I think is more famous. Cool. Yeah, the, the lyrics are super cute. I love the line about starting a band. Uh, this song is really laid back and relaxing and toe-tapping. I certainly enjoyed it from that perspective. I had a pretty stressful week, and it did relax me when it came on, so that was nice. The arrangement and production, I feel, is just not as strong as other songs in this round. It's not exactly G&G. I think there's a separate track of lead acoustic guitar playing for emphasis, but... It's hard to cut it with a G&G type song in a competition where you've got, you know, Agony Sauce and and Max Bombast and yeah. Bowel Sounds who do all of this delightful musical layering. And so I think it lost some estimations in my ranking just for its simple uh, arrangement and production. Yeah, I, I felt very much the same way, like much like the Agony Sauce song. I thought this was a great, great song, and I enjoy listening to it a lot, and I'm giving it a lower ranking anyway for comparatively low production quality and maybe lower effort, you know, though that might be a misperception on my part. I like the lyrics, and I like the performances. It's quirky and fun and pleasant to listen to. The harmony vocal is really good, and I don't think there's anything really specifically wrong with this song. But I'd feel bad ranking it higher than, say, Agony Sauce or Max Bombast because it's so rough sounding. That roughness has its charm, don't get me wrong, but, you know, we're, we're kind of saying the same thing about this song. Compared to some of the others that have a lot of polish on them, it's hard to rank this very nice, very pleasant, really enjoyable song over some of these other really enjoyable songs. Completely but, agree. Yeah. All right, should we move on to the last competitor, Vowel Sounds?
them doing their contrafact on Eleanor Rigby. And uh, this was my favorite by Leaps and Bounds. Uh, I thought it was captivating and chilling. And I don't feel like the Beatles deserve any of the credit for how compelling and effective it is. The vocal layering is wonderful. The lyrics are fantastic. The melody is wonderful. The dynamics are great. And again, this sort of Ouija-verse suite is too good for Narayan, I think. This is, uh, and this is a, a great, hopefully second-to-last installment. Yeah, this song is one of my favorites as well. The Eleanor Rigby contrafact that they use is a little bit dark, and it's a little bit moody and dark the whole way through, this song is, and there's not a lot of lift in the chorus or in the bridge or in the other parts that are not based on Eleanor Rigby. So that was a little hard for me just because I was just looking for something a little bit lighter. And it's this is this is a very dark song. I also thought that in places there were touches that reminded me of a spooky horror movie. Like the bridge is very creepy. That whole looking in the mirror and I see your face appear. And then there's like some kind of spooky, high electric toy piano sounds, classic horror movie sort of sounds. There's a great use of strings in this, like a whole bunch of violins just going na 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 And it's a similar sound that we heard in the very first Ouija-verse song. So kind of an audio callback, which I think is really cool. I loved a lot of their touches, and the song definitely paints a scary and dark picture, but it was hard for me to really get into just because of its sort of omnipresent darkness. But yeah, I definitely recognized how good it was. I, I also appreciated the dynamics and owl singing and just the layering on the singing. And I think there's some kind of wailing sounds that she does that you can hear that are panned a little bit and they're in the background that just add to this really creepy vibe. So I think it's powerful for what it's set out to do. But just personally, I had a hard time getting with it. Gotcha. So next time you write a ghost song, less dark, less spooky. <laughs> Is that pretty much it? Pretty much it. Yeah. Next time you go for a creepy song, get get some happiness in there. Yeah. You can't yeah. be creepy all the time, man. Write a ghost song about sunshine and lollipops next time. Just joking about that. Should we move on to the shadows? Yeah, let's talk about inflatable vegetables. You say you don't like me, tell me go away. You say we can't even be friends. Then you say you want me, begging me to stay. You're thinking we can make amends. I'm not your puppet, stop trying to jerk my strings Stop throwing changing hoops for me to jump through Take some time, make up your mind, let's stop the stupid games I don't think I want to need you to Na-na-na, hello, goodbye, no, I don't need you to I know you know, I know I need you to I know I don't need you to I know you know I know I need you to I say that it's over So I did not get the chord progression. I assumed that when they moved to that happy bloopy synth part, maybe 25 30 seconds in or so, that was the the familiar chord progression. Did you get it? I didn't know and it wasn't at least I didn't see it on the boards 
anywhere. So I'm not sure what this was. It's, it's one of those things that I'm sure as soon as somebody says it, it's like, oh, of course, that's what it was. But I guess the contrafact aspect of it was done so well that I didn't immediately associate it with the chord progression. Yeah, me either. I love that line. I know you know I know I need you to. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the 80s hand clap. <laughs> they were they were well used. Uh, yeah. And then there's this counter melody at the end of the song on Go Away, which I think is really nice. There's also a cool fake ending that I totally was a sucker for. Um, mm. I thought his singing was particularly good this time around. I don't know. Uh, I, I like this song a fair amount. Yeah, I like the poppy synth a lot. The lyrics are really good. The melody is good. And uh, it's, it's great synth pop. The one thing that I wasn't so fond of is I think the vocal delivery in the chorus, uh, it should have been more confident. You know, otherwise it was great. But some of his backing vocals I thought were really nice. Like there's this like high ah sort of backing vocal you hear in different places. I, I think sounds pretty good. Maybe that's what I was keying in on. I'm listening to it in my headphones now. Well, there's a, like a na 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 part in the beginning of the chorus. I'm gonna wait till I get to it, and then I'll say how I would have sung it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these really high backing vocals, like. Ooh. Yeah, but then when we get to the chorus, if you listen to the na na na, okay. So in the chorus, he goes na 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 hello goodbye when it should be na 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 hello goodbye you know in, instead of that it's uh it's really really unconfident i think and it goes na 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 instead of na 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 you know it so i was a little bit put off by that i think that he should have really really belted it out so uh inflatable vegetables belt it out uh, fuck your neighbors who cares <laughs> Get the take done right the first time and you only irritate them for a little bit. That's what I tell myself. Yeah. And just just punch it out there and be loud and be confident and just, you know, belt it. And then people respond to that. I'll respond to that. Having said that, that's that's one minor complaint for a very, very good song for the rest of the song. So, yeah. All right. Next up, we have Lichen Throat. Judy, shake me up. doing some neat stuff with the percussion in this song and i like that a lot uh he's also put forth a really good vocal effort in this one it seems like he's you know stretching a little bit here which is great great effort the lyrics are quite a downer though this is another bleak house song sort of a character study of one of the villains in bleak house and uh, Ain't Talking About Love by Van Halen might have been an easy pick for the challenge for this one. Because if I remember right, the original verses are sort of talk singing instead of a, a very noticeable melody. So picking pretty much any melody out would 
necessarily be a contrafact. You know, it'd be like uh, picking O Superman or going back to Cali uh, to do a contrafact of. You know, as long as you have any melody there, then you're all set. I like his use of the cello, and I think this is the second time we've heard him use the palm muted guitar sound, which I think add to his sound in general. You can definitely hear Ain't Talking About Love. I didn't have to read the boards to figure that out. And his melody definitely changes it, so good job there. So I read a little bit about Grandfather Smallweed, who I guess is a moneylender and definitely one of the villains. I still have not... I mean, I added the BBC version of Bleak House to my watch list. I still haven't gotten a chance to get it yet, though. So I will like and throw it, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, I think this song is all about Grandfather Smallweed. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's move on to Mandibles. I've been waiting for this moment It seems all year With anticipation Friday's fine So I did not get this one. I had to read the lyrics to know that it was Don't Stop Believing. What, did you get it? Well, that bass line in the very beginning, it just it just kind of starts out on it. And Don't Stop Believing kind of made this resurgence with uh, a show that I've never watched, but it's called Glee. And it was really popular on TV. And so you'd hear it and, you know on TV and on the radio stations and stuff like that. It, it came back for a little while there. So it was back in the public conscious for a while. And yeah, and also it's a pretty iconic kind of a round when it comes right down to it. So, you know, I grew up listening to a lot of Journey, so I picked it up. But that's probably just my history. Right. And this is one of the chord progressions that is that classic four chord song progression. So this is the one that has all of those chords. If you've ever seen that Axis of Awesome video where they go through this chord progression and they sing like a ton, a ton of songs. Yeah, but this one in particular, it's also a little bit like uh, Max Bombast's American Woman in that it's not just the chord progression, it's the way that they do the bass line for it. It's a dun, 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 dun. So yeah, anyhow. Once I read it, it was like, oh yeah, I get it. So this is apparently Estefonia who's singing. She's sort of, I think, a relatively new member of Mandibles. Cybronica came in with the backing vocals, and she always provides a lot of great sort of lift with her backing vocals, and I especially noticed at the end of the song when she really comes in strong. I guess Truth is out sick, so this is just Cybronica and Estefonia, I think, who put this together. So, mm. lyrically, I thought this song was kind of fun and interesting. I've certainly done that thing where I say you two inappropriately. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it has ever haunted me or if I've ever found it disturbing or if it's ruined my whole day, but uh, <laughs> I, I certainly get what they're talking about. And I think it was kind of funny to have all these examples of that. You know, when I listened to this, I thought, oh, that's cute. I've, I've done that. And I thought there was also this interesting line 
flat on the blade of my tongue, and it made me think, because, of course, every Mandible song <laughs> needs a blade reference. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I enjoyed this, and even though, you know, I thought that the whole notion that you know, saying you 2 inappropriately is disturbing enough to make a song about, you know, I don't know. I, I question yeah. that, but I still liked it. Yeah, well, it's it's also something that we've all done to one extent or another. I fly a fair amount for my job, so I find myself, you know, at a ticket counter all the time, and they say, "Have a good flight," and I'm like, "You too," and I was like, "God damn it, <laughs> God damn it, I'm disturbed now, yeah. ruined my whole day." <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna go write a song. <laughs> yeah. No, but this song is fun and funny, and the synth pop instrumentation is neat. It has a good '80s '90s vibe to it. Some of the phrasing could be touched up, but it really doesn't matter with a comedic song like this. It's also got a powerful vocal performance that's like maybe too good for a song like this, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like this should be kind of a Weird Al or a Julie Brown delivery, but instead we get like, you know, Grace Slick or Kate Bush or something, which uh, is obviously not a bad thing. But uh, you're expecting not such a powerhouse to be singing it and it's a, just a, such a great performance yeah when estefonia and cybronica come together it's super powerful absolutely all right let's move on to glenny's song he did a shadow entry also separate because it's enough in i'm afraid this time there's no conclusion fade away at the end, the ball's not bouncing. You lost your yo and that's not fair. It's around us, it's in everything. It consumes them, and it's medicine. It's in you to get it out. And it is chock full of U2 references, so disqualified. Next. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's chock full of U2 references, so this is obviously a troll submission, but it's done really well. The layered vocals might be a little muddy sounding here and there, but I don't think that matters all that much since you still get what it's going for. The instrumentation sounds great, and I think the guitar solos are amazing. So it's, it's still a really good listen. And yeah, I think maybe a little bit more attention to the vocals, including the backing vocals, but still great, great, great work. Yeah, I noticed Glennie was singing this in his lower register, and that's the thing that my ears really picked up on. So when he sings a little bit lower, it's a little bit more somber, and he has got a little bit more gravitas. I feel like he should sing like that more often. He can sound a little bit like Tom Petty, you know, minus the sneer. I thought it just sounded really great. And there's relatively few clunkers in the vocal melody. Like, you hear a few, like, on the line running. But, you know, less, I think, than normal for someone who, you know, painstakingly does not correct his vocals. So, uh, yeah, I really was impressed by his lower register, and I think he should explore that. I like the fuzz guitar tone. I liked the way the piano in the intro, the piano and the acoustic sound great together. I wasn't sure what the chord progression was, but I did kind of get a Neil Youngish sort of vibe from it. I don't know where that came from, just some random synapse firing. But yeah, I did not get the chord progression. But overall, I like this song, and I think this is my favorite song of the Shadows. Uh, he listed his contrafacts as Radiohead, 
I can't remember exactly which song it was. But then also the David Bowie, uh, that Mott the Hoople song, uh, the All the Young All the Young Dudes, dudes yeah. Yeah. And then a Depeche Mode tune, too. So, wow. Yeah. I Over my head. Your... Whoosh. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Glennie is going to be sad that nobody understands his work. I certainly don't. <laughs> too hard. Too hard. Got to pitch it low try. for us dumbass judges to get. That's right. Yeah. We should also mention that vowel sounds put in uh, sort of a, I don't know, what, what, what do we want to put this? Not exactly a shadow. It's sort of a, maybe a parody of Eleanor Rigby in addition to their official entry, which <laughs> is called Canine Surprise. Dog in a trench coat, getting promoted at work and then sheds his disguise. Canine Surprise, look at him barking, chewing up socks in the night when there's nobody there. Shedding his hair, balls and bones and kibble. I think they they should make this into a movie. <laughs> Isn't it a meme? I, I didn't quite get that, but I, I feel like there's a dog detective meme in there somewhere that they referenced. Okay. There, yeah, it's all about a uh, dog detective and even the MP3 art has uh, <laughs> it's like a, a pug dog. or something. Yeah. It's like a little dog in an overcoat. <laughs> it doesn't have any wording over it. So I don't know if it's a meme, but, uh, but yeah, it's funny. It's specific. It's adorable. Uh, and it's just performed too well also for what it is. Yeah. You know, it's like they had really- time. I, I am amazed that they had time to do this and they're extremely layered and well done actual entry yeah i'm going to be ungenerous and suggest that maybe it was most if not all of the original track and they just took out a bunch of stuff and then changed the vocal tracks for it oh i think that's true yeah probably it's mostly the work is on owl's part just to sing it all and to sing (laughs) the high part and low part yeah but of course the lyrics are well let's see they're i don't know whose they are because they are about british uh, the court system, but then it's also about Owl admitting she doesn't know much about the British court <laughs> So it's all... Uh, so who knows? Maybe it was a collaborative effort. Maybe it was Owl trying to punk bomb. Or who knows what's going on. But it was it was fun. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's cool and fun and cute and you should check it out. Alright, do you want to talk rankings? Sure, yeah. Do we want to just list them? It's only five bands. Yeah. Number one, I had vowel sounds. I just really, really was impressed by it. Uh, I like the continuity. You know, it's just so layered and there's so much going on in the song and it's so spooky and effective and tingly and creepy and just great. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. So that, that was my number one. As my number two, I put the Rachel Lane song because I thought it was just excellent. Wonderful, beautiful love song. Number three is Max Bombast, and I put him there just because, again, it was an excellent song. They're all excellent songs, but I put him in number three because I thought the kind of structure of the song was a little simple. Again, it was G minor throughout the entire thing, 
except for a couple of measures of D sharp and D, which is not valid criticism, but you know, we got to rank these. Then after that was agony sauce because I thought it was too busy and the flow was broken up by the changes in tempo and all of these other references. And, you know, I was way, way in. I was all in last round with the cumulative challenges, but this time I think it got in the way. And then the last one, of course, I can't believe I'm putting Rainwatt number five for a song that I like a whole lot. This is what's so frustrating about doing these rankings. It's a great song. It's fun and cute and probably a lot more simple than any of the other entries. And uh, I feel like maybe not as much effort or work was put into it as any of the other entries. Doesn't prevent me from enjoying the song a whole lot. I just think that it would be hard for me to rank it above the other ones who put so much more effort into it. And I and it breaks my heart because I love that song. But, you know, anybody who goes into the bottom this round, I would be really disappointed at, at myself having to put them in the bottom. I mean, yeah, this is the penultimate round. So no one gets here without a lot of work. Yeah, and I, I feel bad about that. But again, we're supposed to rank a bunch of great songs. So some of them have to go into the bottom, even though they don't deserve to be. Right. So for me, Agony Sauce is my number one. And I was able to get past all of the change-ups, and it, the flow worked for me. And what I was left with was a song that I enjoyed the most, a song that I thought had accomplished the most and had over-delivered on the challenge, and the cumulative challenge was certainly impressive, but I still thought it would have probably been in my ranking even if they hadn't done that. So uh, I just loved the sound of it. I loved all of the details of it. Um, this was just my favorite song, hands down. So they get my number one spot. Rachel Lane picks up my number two. And it was just an effective and beautiful love song. And I think it was just so well done with so few mistakes or problems or just, you know, it was just very, very well executed, well sung, well performed. And I loved it. So I actually thought a little bit if it was going to be number one or number two. But for me, it ended up in number two. And then with number three, I've got vowel sounds. And uh, I certainly appreciated all of the details and how creepy and how effective and how spooky it was. But for me, it just didn't really work as well as the other two. And I did not like it as much as the other two, which when it comes down to everybody, you know, effectively executing on the challenge and, you know, all other things being equal, it just comes down to personal taste. And I feel like this sunk it a little bit in my estimation, just because... I don't like scary things. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I just wasn't in the mood for this kind of song this week. So I'm sorry, but all other things being equal, it often comes down to personal taste. Yeah. Now, let's see. Rounding up fourth place, I've got Max Bombast. So uh, I certainly enjoyed his singing as usual. And I thought that riff sounded really good. The politics of the song bugged me a little bit, which dropped it a little bit in my estimation. And uh, I wasn't really happy with how he used a riff rather than a chord progression. And I know that's stupid, but I'm hung up on it. <laughs> and it, it bugged me even further. So that also dropped it a little bit in my book Beneath the Others. And then finally, in fifth place, I have to rank Rain Watt again, and it's much for the same reason. I mean, Rain wrote a great song and performed a great song well, and there just wasn't enough there to really compete with some of the other songs that had 
just a ton of layering and a ton of maybe more effort. It sucks to say that, but I feel like at this stage of the challenge, you really need to bring it and G and G doesn't really bring it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to bring your a game for, for more than just the last round <laughs> for Narine 14 anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, voting's a bummer. Just like the chiptune challenge. I thought every single one of these songs was great. And, uh, it's a shame that any of them have to go, but it's going to be down to two and it's kind of, who knows at this point, really? I mean, the one that we agreed on for the top two was Rachel. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's a bit of a toss up. Yeah. It's hard to say what the other judges will think. Yeah. Let's do some shout outs. Special shout out to Nivius, who is just uh, an amazing machine for getting the site turned around so quickly, for doing everything so clean and just amazing good stuff. Cool. I would like to shout out to my wife, Sarah, who's been super supportive, even though I've been a wreck this last week. I've got one week of freedom before I go back to work, and I've just been trying to do too much. So. So I'd like to thank her for her patience and putting up with me. I've been also very cranky. Uh, well, uh, similarly, I'd like to uh, shout out to my husband. Thank you for all the love and support and patience. And uh, it's only one more week. And then, <laughs> then no more of these weekly podcasts. And it'll just go back to, you know, bi-weekly thereabouts. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Andre but, may see you more often. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, Let's see, a uh, shout out to Brian and to Alice. I hope you're not listening to this because it's a waste of time. You've got better things to do. Shout out to the new Ugly, the other Nurain podcast, the original Nurain podcast. That might be it. I think that's it. All right. You're out. <laughs>